Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. It's starting to feel a little bit like Christmas, isn't it? How many of you have been Christmas shopping this week? Anybody? Some of you have been out and about, and some of you have been clicking your way through your list, right? I mean, that's what Christmas is this year. So, yeah, I heard about this guy that bought his, went out and bought his wife this huge diamond ring, and he was quite proud of it. He was talking to his uh, friend about it, and his friend said, wait a minute, I thought you said your wife wanted a new car, and you went out and bought this diamond ring. He said, yeah, I know. He said, I couldn't find a fake Lexus. Mmm, don't go cheap on your wife, because it'll eventually come back and hurt you. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Peace on Earth. And when you think about it, um, peace is something I think we all long for, for, but sometimes we rarely have it, at least people. You know, you, you meet somebody, and you start talking to them, and they'll start to tell you about themselves. And they'll just open up and they'll use words like, oh, well, I am so uh, busy these days. Or maybe I'm so active or, or, you know, I am so stressed or, or maybe I'm so tired. You hear this a lot, man, I am so tired. Or maybe on the other hand, you, talk, you hear people talk about themselves. Oh, I have so many great dreams. I have so many aspirations. But rarely do you ever hear somebody say to you that, oh, I am totally at peace. I am totally at peace. I am peace, at peace with myself. I'm at peace with other people. I'm at peace uh, with the world. I seldom hear people say, I am walking in peace. It's a rare quality. Yet, one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas is that Jesus came to give us peace. 700 years before uh, the first Christmas, Isaiah predicted that the Savior of the world would come and that he would be the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, this is the foundation of the series. It says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 700 years before Bethlehem, Isaiah was longing for this. He was longing for this because he lived in a community and a culture that was suffering under social and economic turmoil. And he's looking forward to, and he's longing for the Messiah. They were dreaming in his day of a better tomorrow. He was looking forward to Christmas. I've been looking forward to Christmas for some time now. I've been longing for the holiday season. Maybe it's because I love being around kids and seeing the, the light in their eyes. And specifically, I love being around grandchildren that they have this, this wonder and this, uh, this magic in their eyes about Christmas. I think we all long for that. You know, the original Christmas story is told in the New Testament. In fact, you can see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. 
all four of the, uh, the Gospels tell about Christmas in different ways. We typically land on the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke's story, we hear about the manger, and we hear about the stables, and we hear about the shepherds watching their fields by, uh, their flocks by night, and the angels, and all of that, and we'll get to that. But today, I want to focus on Matthew. Yeah, Matthew tells the, the Christmas story, but he tells it in light of a family tree, in light of a genealogy of Jesus. How many of you have, have uh, written down family tree of your family or maybe a digital copy of your family tree? Anybody here? A few of you. Yeah. I'll never forget when I first married into Patty's family. Got married in August. And, and by the time we got to Christmas, her dad sat me down and uh, showed me this, this uh, printed tree, this family tree. It was a family tree. Literally, it was a tree, and, and, and all of those uh, 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 limbs represented one of the kids, and the leaves represented the kids' kids and, and the grandkids. And, you know, he would show me, and he said, and here you are. And they had taken my name and put me, I am now a part of their family tree. Several years ago, uh, Pastor Dave gave me a gift for Christmas. He gave me a membership uh, to Ancestry.com. And so I've invested hours and hours kind of looking through. It's kind of interesting, you know, you go through seasons of that and interesting about the fam- my family tree. And I, I noticed, I uh, learned from there that we came over from Ireland, one side of the family in 1825, landed uh, in Charleston Harbor and, and, um, and made our home in the upstate. My great, uh, great granddad was a teacher at John Delahouse School over in McCormick, school still in business. And so he was a teacher there. He, he was elected to the House of Representatives in the state. And um, I read that in 1868, he was outside of town and, and four people attacked him and killed and murdered him. And one newspaper said that he was murdered by some political op- uh, opponents. So very interesting. On the other side of the family, I found out that my great-grandmother was blind and she had a sister that was blind and she spent her teen years in the South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind. Interesting things. You know, your family tree tells a story. When Matthew started his Christmas story with the genealogy of Jesus, his family tree, Matthew was telling his story. And he recited this story so that the the readers would know that this is not just another person, that Jesus was a unique person with a unique message. And it's interesting that in ancient history or ancient literature, generally the only genealogies we have would be the genealogies of kings or great leaders or wealthy people, like emperors or so. Because those are the only people that could afford someone, to a historian, to follow them and to write it down. People didn't walk around writing down the, uh, the histories of Jewish carpenters. We only know of one of these. And this in itself is an indication that Jesus, even though he was poor, even though he grew up in a carpenter's home, that this is an indication that Jesus was a very important person. It's interesting when you also, when you study the genealogies of kings or emperors, that you often often see laps uh, or gaps in the lineage. 
they would leave out people who were an embarrassment to them or an embarrassment to the family. You know, we kind of do that. Oh, aren't you kin to so-and-so? Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not kin to them. And we distance ourselves from some of those folks. Some of those folks will be at your house for Christmas. And, and you distance yourself. Oh, oh, no, no. You know, we're 1K bakers. They're 2K bakers. They're not, they're not from us. And, and we make excuses about them. It's interesting of that. And the ancient kings, they would make sure that those people that they're not proud of, that they're embarrassed of, maybe those criminals, that they would just take them out. And they would, the family tree would move on past without them. Now, Matthew goes out of his way to make sure that his audience doesn't miss, miss the fact that Jesus comes from a long line of people who have a past. Yes, a sordid past at times. I mean, if you would look at the genealogy of Jesus, some of it would may make you blush. Some of the characters in Jesus' family tree, if you were to put a rating on them, they would be rated R. Yeah, and some of them would be rated NC-17. Oh, we can't talk about those folks. And yet, they're in the lineage or the ancestry of Jesus. Why do you think that is? Could it be? That that's the very reason Jesus came. Jesus came to help people make peace with their past. Help to get through that. In fact, here's the point. If you want to live a peaceful life, you have to make peace with your past. Let me say that again. If you want to, make a, to live a peaceful life, there comes the point where you have to make peace with your past when you look at this long genealogy, for the most part, you see fathers and sons in this genealogy. Then out of the blue, Matthew mentions three women. Now, these three women are not necessarily uh, the people that you want to be associated with or the people that you want to be in your family tree because he goes out of the way to include these, and they are grade A sinners. Matthew wanted the world to know, and Matthew wanted his Jewish audience to know that Jesus was from the line of David. And with this lineage comes some dirt. And to be honest, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to clean up the dirt. So we open up our Bibles to Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1 it says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. I can hear people, as Matthew is, is reciting this to this Jewish audience, that they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't bring her up. Don't talk about Tamar. You see, in all of ancient history, no one would ever bring up a mother. Why would you bring up Tamar? You can't tell her story. You can't tell her story, especially in church. But Matthew, right up front, 
says, guys, do you remember Tamar? Do you remember her story? And all the folks would roll their eyes and say, yes, Matthew, we remember her story. I want you to know that the Messiah is related to Tamar. They say, oh, let's move on. We know that story. We don't want to think about that. And Matthew's saying, well, it's a part of the story. He goes on. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abinadab, Abinadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And as Matthew would say that, the Jewish are, wait a minute, Rahab, why did you bring her up? Why did you include her in the list? You see, they didn't like Rahab because it made them uncomfortable because Rahab had a nickname. You know, Rahab the... Rahab, yes, it wasn't a virtuous nickname. They said, why did you even bring her up? I mean, she's not even Jewish. She's a Canaanite. She shouldn't be in the lineage of anybody significant in Jewish culture. But Matthew says, you remember Rahab, don't you? They said, yeah, we remember her. They said, let's move on. And so he starts to tell the story there because, you see, Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute that helped them defeat the warring factions at Jericho and win the battle of Jericho. And for her courageous acts, she was welcomed into the Jewish community. So that's, and actually became a part of the genealogy of Jesus. And so Matthew goes out of the way to highlight the people that God chose to be a part of the Christmas story. We go on. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Uriah's wife. Couldn't you just say, Matthew, that just mention David in his lineage? Why did you have to bring up the woman who is a part of the adultery? Why would you have to bring up the woman that had a part of his past? You remember the story, don't you? All the Jewish folks in the group knew the story about Bathsheba. Bathsheba was Solomon's mom. And they said, come on, let's move on. Of all the people that God could have chosen, why did he choose her to be the mother of Solomon? Well, what do you think he was getting at? I think that he was highlighting these individuals to communicate the truth that people with a past, people who have made mistakes can be forgiven and they can be given a second chance. I mean, the message of Christmas is about God sending his son into the world to save people. 
not just into the world to people for the people who have it all together, but the people who have a dark past and, and who desperately need a Savior. Because you see, sinners need a Savior. And God loves people who have a past. God loves people who have made mistakes. And we struggle oftentimes with our past. And I realize your past may be a problem for you. Your past may be a problem for you, but it is not a problem for God. Your past may be a problem for you. And I understand that. My past is a problem for me. But it's not a problem for God. So many times, the guilt and shame of our past push us away from the very things that we need the most. And I've seen too many people push away from God because of some kind of decision they made or some kind of mistake they made in their past. And they start running from God. And the reason God is running after you is because he wants to deliver you from that. He wants to deliver you from that punishment. When Christ died for you, uh, he paid for the punishment of your sin. You don't have to run from him. In fact, stop running. Stop running. If he can save a person like Rahab, he can save you. The message of Christmas is very clear that you can get past all of the mistakes, all of the sins, all of the bad things you've done. You can get past your sin. You can get past your past. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about three things that will help you get past your past. Okay, three things. Here's the first one. You, it, the first one involves making a decision. You've got to decide that you're not going to stay where you are. You have to decide that you are not going to stay where you are. Plenty of us spend a, a great deal of time thinking about our past lives, whether good or bad. We think about it. We reminisce about the, the great days or maybe even the glory days in our past. We think about that moment we triumphed on, in that sporting event. Or we think about that deal that we closed, that big deal that, that really changed everything. And we want to live in that moment. Or maybe we get stuck reliving a decision we made. We relive a, a suffering that we went through or a sorrow that we, and we feel like that we can't get past that moment. You know, in either case, those things are holding you back from being the person that God wants you to be. And if we're stuck in the past, whether it's a good thing where we're glorying in the past victories or maybe we're, um, we're hung up with our past negative decisions, either case, if it is keeping us from embracing our future that God has for us, then it is not something good. We've got to move ahead. We've got to move forward because here the message of Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Could it be that God has a plan for your life? 
but you're not embracing that plan. You're not embracing that opportunity. Instead, you're shrinking back and you're, you're holding back. And God is knocking on your door. He's calling you to take that step. And you've got to make that decision. And you've got to make that decision that you are not going to stay here. That you're not going to stay where you are, but you're going to open the door and you're going to embrace your future. You're going to embrace that next step. We talk about next steps a lot. But so many times, people are so afraid of stepping out. They're so afraid of taking that next step because of everything that has happened in their past. Some of them are afraid because they've had glory days, and what if they don't live up to their past? Others are afraid, oh, uh, and with guilt and shame, they're covered in guilt and shame, and they are afraid that that may weigh them down. But you've got to step out. You cannot stay where you are, and it takes courage to change directions. And I want you to come to the place where you can take that step and be courageous. You know, you will never be able to get past those things that you will not acknowledge. And there comes a point where you have to acknowledge what has happened. You have to acknowledge what you've done and you have to admit it. And then when you do that as the first step of moving into a new future, I said there's three things that are going to help you get past your past. Here's the second thing. I want you to get rid of those things that are weighing you down. We say this a lot around here, get the junk out of your life. We say it specifically when we enter into 21 days of prayer, and we will be starting 21 days of prayer in just a matter of weeks. And you'll hear me say that over, because, you know, along the way, a lot of us add some junk into our lives, and that junk starts to weigh us down. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about those, those sins and those weights that easily beset us. Those things that hold us back, that keep us locked in our past. When we hear Paul talking about sins and those weights, I mean, we know what sins are, right? We know that a sin is when we miss the mark, when we uh, don't live up to um, God's standard. We, we start walking in the right direction, and then we slip and we fall. In fact, Paul would use the analogy of um, a bow and arrow, and if you can envision a target, and then you would pull back that bow and let the arrow and try to hit the target, and when you would miss that target, that's the very word he used to describe sin. That we have this target that we want to live our lives in a way that will honor God, but there are times when we miss the mark, we slip and fall. And so we get sin. He said sins and weights, okay? We understand what sins are. But what is he talking about when he talks about weights? The weight that so easily besets us. What are the weights? Now, weights can be a good thing, but they still slow you down. It can be the good things that hold you from embracing a better life. You see, there are some good things that you're doing, but could it be those good things that you're involved in are slowing you down, keeping you away from the best life God has for you. Now, wait, could be a relationship. It's a good relationship. But is that relationship slowing you down? Is that relationship keeping you from being the best person that you can be? It could be a job. 
is that job that you have that you're holding on to because you are fearful of moving in any other direction, is that good job keeping you from something better? I don't know. You have to figure that out for yourself. But is it a weight? Is it something that is holding you back? Is it some kind of activity? Is it some kind of expectation, some kind of fear, memory? What are those things that are holding you back? You've got to get rid of those weights. Now, some of those things are not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And if you're going to grow spiritually, then you have to say no to certain things in order to say yes to better things. It's got to be honest. This is really about prioritizing your life, what's really important in your life. If we're going to get past our past, we've got to uh, let some things go. I said there's three things that are going to help us to do that. Here's number three, and this has come to the point where we need help to do that, to get past our past, and so we're going to ask God to do what you cannot do. We're going to ask God to do what you cannot do. We need help. We need God's grace. We need God's uh, strength. We need God's power to do what we cannot do on our own. Maybe you've been there. Maybe there's a habit that you've developed or or a pattern in a relationship. Maybe it's a struggle in your marriage. Maybe it's something that's holding you back. And you cannot get past this thing. God wants to give you the power. God wants to give you the strength. He wants to give you the grace to go and to get past this, to take that step. And maybe God is going to do that by sending somebody along the way to show you the way to go, to help open that door of opportunity for you. There's some things that you cannot change. There's some things you can change. And I would say to you, like I've said before and over and over, you do the possible and let God do the impossible. But God is knocking on your heart's door, and he is trying to open the door of opportunity. But so many times, we're pushing him away. We're pushing him away. Because we want to do what we want to do, and we get so focused on our own agenda, on our own decisions, and we let that lead us. And so many times, those things are so selfish, and they take us down the wrong path. Several years ago, I was in a a service with Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo is a professor emeritus at Eastern University in St. David, Pennsylvania. And he told this story about the time he spoke at a Pentecostal church. Now, Tony Campolo is not Pentecostal, but God has a sense of humor. And so he's getting ready to speak. Before church, they meet together to have a prayer over the service. And so Tony's describing this and and. As they began praying, one man uh, started praying for a guy named Charlie Stolzfus. And the prayer went something like this. He said, Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stolzfus. He lives in that silver trailer home down the road about a mile. You know the trailer, Lord. You know the trailer, the one down the road on the right side of the road. And Tony was thinking, I think God knows where he lives. I don't think you need to spend so much time telling him that. And the guy kept praying. He said, you know, Lord, you know Charlie left his wife and kids today. And I asked that you would do something that would bring that family back together. And so they they prayed and they ended the prayer. And 
and they went into service in the song service, and Tony spoke, and then they did the benediction, and he got in his car and went home. Well, as he's going down the road, he sees this hitchhiker over there, and so he stops, and he picks him up, and the hitchhiker sits in his passenger seat, and he looked and said, hey, I'm Tony Campolo, and the guy looked at him and said, hey, I'm Charlie Solstice. And, and so Tony is, is going down the road, and the, he takes the next exit, and he turns around, and he starts heading in the other way. And the, uh, Charlie Solstice got really unnerved and said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? Where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you home because you left your wife and kids, and I'm taking you back there. And he was like, with wide eyes and didn't know what to say. And, and, and sure enough, Tony drove to that church and then he took the road down about a mile and then he pulled into the silver trailer home. And Charlie says, who told you where I lived? And Tony said, well, God did. And then they went inside and they, Tony talked to Charlie and his wife and through that conversation, he led him to the Lord, got him in marriage counseling. And Charlie actually uh, eventually became a pastor. It's interesting how God can put somebody in your path, like Charlie Stolzis, and put Tony Campolo in his path. When I heard him sell, tell that story, I, I remembered a story that uh, happened here at the creek. It was February 1988. Our church was only a few weeks old. Jay Malone left his wife, Faith, and moved to Charleston. And G.A. took a, um, G.A. was an alcoholic, and he took a, a, a job working at a car dealership there in Charleston. He went to show this man a car, and the man said, I want to go on a uh, test drive, and G.A. got in the passenger seat, and the guy was driving down the road, and then he pulled off the side of the road. He looked at G.A. and said, I'm not interested in buying this car. But the Lord told me that, uh, that you've left your wife, and that you need to repent, and you need to go home and go back to your wife. Well, that weekend, G.A. came back to Augusta to see his wife. She said, okay, if you're going to come back here, you're going to have to go to church. And you know the story, don't you? And G.A. sat in that service, and that day I preached the message, looking for love in all the wrong places. And G.A. felt like that message was directly to him, and he came forward and gave his heart to the Lord he was saved. That was the second person to be saved at our church. He was part of the church for many years, moved on to, to Statesboro, then Claxton, to, uh, and other dealerships. A few weeks ago, we were going through the low country, and I heard a radio station from Claxton, and, and it reminded me of the story because it says, I'm G.A. Malone, and I am back. I'm in Claxton at the Chevrolet dealership or something like that. But I just laughed because I remembered that story. And so... Uh, two weeks ago, I was thinking about him, and I just put his name in YouTube. And right when I pulled it in YouTube, I had a, a video of him preaching at a little Baptist church telling his story. 
Here this man was running from God, had left his wife, was addicted to alcohol, and God sent this man, a random person, in Charleston to that dealership to challenge GA to turn his life around and go follow the Lord. Could it be that I am the random person in your life? That I am the random person today speaking to you, saying, turn around, calling you to repent. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know what kind of weights or sins that you're carrying, but I know this, God came that first Christmas so that you could be free. And those things that are weighing you down, you need to release them. You need to repent. You need to turn. Repentance actually means you're going in one direction, you turn, and you go in another direction. That very act of turning is called conversion. The old-timers used to say, have you been converted? And it's the act of turning. And so you start to turn and you walk in a new direction. Could it be that today God is calling you to repent, to turn, to walk in a new direction? Stop running from the Lord. Stop running. But instead, turn around and run to him. This is your day. You're not watching this service. You're not in this auditorium by accident. Today is your day to turn around, to repent, to follow him. And when you do that, you'll find what you've been looking for. You'll find the peace that you long for. I'm gonna pray for you in a few minutes that you would be saved. But I wanna talk, first of all, and second of all, I wanna talk to the people who are saved. You are Christians. But yet you walked in here and you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And it could be because of some uh, uh, situation that's developing, something you've done or something that's been done to you. I don't know what um, the reason you're carrying the weight of the world, but I do know this. You're using this as an opportunity to run away from the Lord, to drift away maybe is better words. You're drifting away. You've been closed off to God's promptings. You've been closed off to his leadership. And the Lord is prompting you today to turn around. God is prompting you to release this burden. Because you see, you are carrying a burden that you are not strong enough or you are not meant to carry. And I don't know if it's pride or whatever else that you think that you can press through and you can handle this, but the Lord would say to you, if you do not release this burden, then this burden will become your downfall. And hear this warning to you today to surrender this situation, to surrender this burden, to give it over to him, or this thing is going to be the downfall. And it is your pride and your arrogance that is keeping you from releasing this. You are not meant to carry this. This weight is too strong for you. And the Lord would say very clearly to release this, to let it go. And when you do that, you will discover a strength that is greater than yourself. And you will discover that you will be able to, to walk and not faint. 
You will be able to fly like an eagle. And the very thing that is holding you back is the very pride and the arrogance of trying to portray to this world that you can handle it. Well, you cannot handle it. And if you don't change, if you don't release it, then you will see the effects of this in the coming weeks. Hear this. Now, when you hear this, don't think about, well, there's somebody sitting down the road from me. They really need to hear this. I know who this is. I've got to get so-and-so to listen to this message because, because that really needs to. No. I want you to hear this as an individual. What are you need? What kind of weight are you need to let go of? You say, well, this is good. It is good, but it's holding you back from the best life that God has for you. It is keeping you back. It has become something that is holding you, and you are so fearful. And that's the reason you're, that you're stuck back there. That's why I said you've got to make a decision that you are going to not stay where you are. Today is your day. Today is the day of decision. I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to pray that God makes you so uncomfortable over the next few days that you are going to release this thing and let it go. And I know you probably don't want me to pray that, but I'm going to because I see a better life for you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I see God has a better life for you. And if we're constantly holding on to those things, that they become weights and that they're going to destroy us, I want God to cut the weights off and so that you can be free to soar. You're holding on for all the wrong reasons. Some of you are in a dating relationship and you're praying for the right one to come your way. You need to let the wrong one leave. I'm not going to go down that road. You know what that is. I'm going to pray, and we're going to believe that the Lord is going to do the work. But first of all, He's going to call you to repentance. So I want to pray over you. I pray a prayer of repentance. And then we're going to pray that God brings His power to do what we cannot do, okay? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your presence be so strong in this room. Oh God, let your anointing be in this place. Father, I just pray that, that the angels of heaven would fill this room. I pray, Father, that your spirit would be so strong in this place that we would recognize without a shadow of a doubt that you are speaking and you are speaking clearly. Father, I pray that, that, that the weight of your glory, the, the Shekinah glory would rest upon this auditorium and rest upon this church. And so come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us and move upon us and breathe upon us. Let this be a moment in our lives that we, uh, when we embrace this moment, that we're forever changed. And Father, I pray for those that are not saved, those who are watching online, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that your life would be changed as you pray this prayer.
I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, help me. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me. Say that. Make me in the kind of person that you'd have me to be. I give you my life. And Father, I pray not only for those and the miracle of salvation that's taking place right now, but I pray for those individuals right in this room, those watching online, those individuals that are carrying the weight. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, as we step out in faith, that God, that you would take this weight and move it to the side. God, I pray right now that you would bring freedom God, bring freedom from addictions, bring freedom, God, from pride and arrogance. As we repent, God, let, let there be freedom from that. And Lord, let there be peace that comes. Come, Holy Spirit, lighten the burden, lighten the load as we release this to you. We give this over you. I want you to just name that, whatever that is. God, I am giving this. I'm going to just fill in the blank. God, I'm giving this to you, whatever that this is. God, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this relationship. I'm giving you this financial burden. I'm giving you these night terrors. I'm giving you this fear. Just say that. God, I'm giving you this fear. Let the weight of this fear leave me. I'm giving you this sickness. I'm giving you this pain. Father, I release this to you. Say that. God, I release this to you. And I receive your power. Say that. God, I receive your power. I receive your strength. I receive your peace in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.